I've been asked to write down the whole particulars about Treasure Island, from beginning to the end, keeping nothing back but the bearings of the island, and that's because there is still treasure not yet claimed. So, I take up my pen and go back to the time when my mother kept the Admiral Benbow Inn, and the old seaman with the sabre cut first took up lodging under our roof. I remember him as if it were yesterday. A tall, strong, heavy-browed man, his hair falling over the shoulders of his soiled blue coat, his hands ragged and scarred, and the sabre cut across one cheek, a livid, brilliant white. I remember him plodding to the inn door, his sea-chest pulled behind him in a hand-barrow. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest, yo ho and a bottle of rum. Who be at the inn now? A glass of rum for an old sailor. And a good day to you, sir. Are you looking for a room? This seems a handy cove, and a pleasantly situated grog shop. Be there much company? No, unfortunately. There's very little company here. All the better. This is the berth for me, then. Here, boy, help up me chest. I'll stay here a bit. There now, Jim. Help our new guest out with his items. I'm a plain man. Bacon, eggs and rum is what I want. And that head there is for to watch ships off. Oh, and I know what you're after. There. You can tell me when I work through that. <laughs> Take that chest upstairs now, Jim. Yes, am I shall. And beg your pardon, sir, but hmm? what name shall I put down in our ledger for your stay? Oh, what might you call me? You might call me Captain. He had none of the appearance of a man who sailed before the mast. Indeed, his clothes were bad, and coarsely he spoke. He was, yet, a very silent man by custom. All day he strolled the road, hanging round the cliffs with a brass telescope. All evening he sat in our parlour next to the fire, drinking rum, not speaking even when spoken to, only asking us if any seafaring men had gone by the inn during the day. Soon enough, we learned to let him be. Boy! Boy! Jim, is it? Jim, come here, then. Yes, sir. Shh, not sir. Captain, it is. Yes, Captain. Would you do me a favour, then, young Master Jim? Of course. What can I get for you? This is an important mission, if you be up to it. You be round the inn all day and night, hmm? If you be keeping your eyes open for a seafaring man with one leg... Let me know the very moment he appears. Yes, Captain. I can do this. There be a good lad. And if you do so, there'll be a silver fourpenny in it for you on the first of every month. Of course, Captain. Uh, thank you. I mean it now, lad. If you spot the man with one leg, you must tell me. With haste. How that personage haunted my dreams. On stormy nights, I would see him in a thousand forms. He would leap and run and pursue me over hedge and ditch in the worst of my nightmares. But as terrified by the seafaring man with one leg as I was, I was far less afraid of the captain himself than anyone else who knew him. There were nights when he would take a good deal more rum than usual and would force all the trembling company of the inn to join him in a chorus of Yo-ho-ho -ho and a bottle of rum. His presence commanded the inn. He would slap his hand on the table for silence. He would fly up in anger at being questioned. But 
His stories were what frightened people worst of all. Dreadful, they were, about hanging and walking the plank and storms at sea and wild deeds on the Spanish main. By his own account, he lived among some of the wickedest men ever allowed upon the sea. My mother was afraid his presence would drive people from the inn, but I really believe his presence did us good. He was a fine excitement in a quiet country life. In one way he bade fair to ruin us, for he kept on staying month after month after all the money had long been exhausted and my poor mother unable to wring even another coin out from him. He never wrote or received any letters, and he never spoke with any but those who came to the inn, and with them only when drunk on rum. The great sea-chest he had brought with him none of us had ever seen open, not that we had even seen it since it first appeared at the inn. At first I supposed the chest to be the very same dead man's chest he sang about in his song, and with time my curiosity about it only grew. I only recall him being crossed once when Dr. Livesey came one afternoon to visit my mother and take a bit of dinner and went into the parlour to smoke his pipe. I remember observing the contrast, the neat, bright doctor, hair as white as snow and his pleasant manners, sitting opposite the filthy, heavy scarecrow of a pirate far gone in rum. Fifteen men on the dead man's chest, <laughs> and a bottle of rum. Drink, <laughs> the devil had done for the rest, <laughs> and a bottle of rum. <clears throat> Silence! There, between decks. Were you addressing me, sir? Aye, you, I was. Silence, then. I have only one thing to say to you, sir. If you keep on drinking rum, the world will soon be quite rid of a very dirty scoundrel. Bah! I have a right mind to pin you to the wall here with me knife. If you do not put that knife back in your pocket this instant, I promise upon my honour you shall hang at the next assizes. Fine, then. You be not worth the trouble. But I don't want to cause any more work for the fine proprietors of this inn. Now then, sir, since I now know there's such a fellow as you in my district, you may be assured I'll have an eye upon you day and night. I'm not a doctor only, I'm a magistrate, and I catch but one breath of a complaint against you, I'll take effectual means to have you hunted down and routed out. Well, I never. A good evening to you then, sir. I think that was the beginning of the end of the captain's time with us, in hindsight. Though it was not, as you will see, the end of our involvement with his affairs. Hello everyone, and thank you for listening to the first episode of Public Domain Player's Treasure Island. We hope you'll listen along with us over the next few months as our swashbuckling adventure unfolds. My name is James Wipert. I am the creator and the executive producer of Public Domain Players. I just wanted to give you some quick info at the moment about where you can find us online. The show is available at all your major podcast outlets, as I'm sure you know since you're listening to it right now, and we can be found on Twitter under the name Public Players and on Instagram as Public Domain Players. We also have a Patreon page, which you can find a link to in the show notes. These shows take a lot of work, and your support means a lot to us. And be sure to share this show with your friends and family as well. 
I don't want to keep you away from our story for long, so I'll stop there. Stay tuned after the show to hear the full list of credits, production team, and actors, and be sure to join us next time on Treasure Island. It was a bitter, cold winter that year, and my mother and I tended to the inn best as we could. We worked around the captain, who continued about his daily routines, though he seemed ever a bit more subdued after that altercation with Dr. Livesey. It was one January morning, very early, pinching and frosty, as I was tending to the fire in the parlour when the door opened and in stepped a man who I had never set eyes on before. He was a pale, tallowy creature, missing two fingers on his left hand. He was not sailory, yet he wore a cutlass at his side and he smacked rightly of the sea. Hello, sir. Welcome to the Bembo. Be you looking for service? Rum. Good helping of rum here. Yes, sir. I'll have it in just a moment. Come here, Sonny. Sir? Come here. Now. Is this table here for my mate Bill? I'm sorry, sir. I don't know your mate Bill. This table here is for a guest in our house, who we call the captain. <laughs> well, well, my mate Bill would be called captain like his not. Here's a kind of one cheek and a mite pleasant way with him, my mate Bill. We'll put in for argument that your captain has a cut on his cheek. The right one, hmm? Yes, sir. Ha! Huh. Well, I told you. Now, is, is my mate Bill in this house? No, sir. He's out walking. Which way, boy? Which way has he gone walking? Out down the road to the west, sir. He walks to the cliff and, and looks out, but for what I know not. He'll be back soon, I imagine. Good. Good. The expression on his face as he said these words was not at all pleasant, but it was no affair of mine, I thought. Besides, I knew not what to do. The stranger kept waiting just inside the inn door, like a cat waiting to pounce on a mouse. If, if you'll be excusing me, sir. Boy, get back here now. I have a son of my own, and he's all the pride of my heart. But you know the great thing for boys? Hmm? No, sir. Discipline. Discipline. Now, if you had sailed alongside my mate Bill, you wouldn't have stood there to be spoke to twice. That was never Bill's way. Ooh. And here, sure enough, come my mate Bill. With a spyglass under his arm, bless his heart. You and me now. Let's just slip inside the parlor here, boy, and we'll give Bill a little surprise. Bless his heart, I say again. Jim! Wherever you are, bring us some rum now, Jim. There's a frightful chill in the air tonight. Hello, Bill. <laughs> Come, Bill, you know me. An old shipmate, Bill, surely. But Black Dog. <laughs> and who else? Black Dog as ever was. Come for to see his old shipmate, Bill. Sir? Hush, boy. Oh, Bill, Bill. Are oh, we seen a sight of time since I lost these two talons? Mm. 
Now look here. You've run me down. Here I am. Well then, speak up. What is it you want? <laughs> That's you, Bill. Always in the right of it, Billy. I'll take a glass of rum from this boy here, and we'll sit down and talk square like old shipmates. Sir? <sighs> rum, then. Go now, and leave the door wide, Sonny. I left then. For a long time, though I certainly tried my best to listen, I could hear nothing but low murmuring. This went on for a good while then, until at last their voices began to grow higher, and I could pick up a word or two. Then, all of a sudden, there was a tremendous explosion of oaths and a crashing of other noises, followed by a clash of steel and a cry of pain. No, no, no! An end of it! How about it then? <laughs> out with you then! Out! Out! Jim! Rum! Oh. Sir, are you hurt? Rum! Rum! Oh. I must get away from here. Rum, Jim! Jim, is everything all right down there? <sighs> Dear me, what a disgrace! Rum, Jim, I need rum. No more rum for you, then. You need assistance. Jim, run down the lane and find Dr. Livesey. Tell him to come with haste. Yes, Mum. Well, hello, Jim. I was just stopping by Doctor, to... help, please. Oh, oh my. What shall we do? Where is he wounded? Wounded? Heavens no. No more wounded than you or I. This man has had a stroke, as I warned him. Now, Mrs. Hawkins, run upstairs and make sure he has a bed ready for him. Jim, get me a basin. I will do my part to save this fellow's worthless life. When I returned with the basin, the doctor had already ripped the captain's sleeve up and exposed his great arm. It was tattooed all up and down like I had never seen before. Here's luck, a fair wind, and Billy Bones' his fancy were neatly executed on his forearm. And up near his shoulder was a massive sketch of a gallows and a man hanging from it. Prophetic, isn't it? Now, Master Billy Bones, if that be your name, I'll have a look at the colour of your blood. Are you afraid of blood, Jim? No, sir. Good, then. You hold the basin while I open his vein. There will be a great deal of blood. You. Black Dog! Where's Black Dog? There is no Black Dog here, except what you have riding on your back. You have been drinking rum, and you have had a stroke, just as I told you, and I have just, against my better judgment, dragged you headfirst out of the grave. Now, Mr. Bones... That's not my name. Much that I care. It's the name of a buccaneer of my acquaintance, and I shall call you by it for the sake of shortness. And what I have to tell you is this. One glass of rum won't kill you, but if you take one, you will take another, and another, and if you don't break off short, you will die. Do you understand me? Die, and go to your own place, like the Bible says. Come now, make an effort. Jim and I will help you to your bed. And so we did just that. With a great deal of effort, we hoisted him upstairs and laid him on his bed. (sighs) Now, mind you, I clear my conscience. The name of rum for him is death. Will he be okay, Doctor? Oh, this is nothing. I have drawn enough blood to keep him quiet, and he should lie here for a week's time. That is the best thing for him, and for both yourself and young Jim. But another stroke will settle him for good.
Hello everybody, James here again. Thank you so much for listening to this first episode. There is much more in store beyond this, and we all think you'll be thrilled to hear it. This production of Treasure Island was directed by me, James Wipert, as well as adapted by myself, based on the original novel by Robert Louis Stevenson. It is produced by myself and David Coonan. This episode stars, in order of appearance, Larry Oblander as Adult Jim, Michael Bradley as Billy Bones, Kate Fallon as Mrs. Hawkins, Kira McFarland as Young Jim, Tiffany Renee Bear as Dr. Livesey, Austin Schumacher as Black Dog. Both the Public Domain Player's logo and the Treasure Island logo were created by Bad Otter Design House, who you can find on Instagram at bad.otter. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on Patreon. This show takes a lot of time and effort, so if you're able to support us, you'll get all kinds of cool rewards over there. We also ask that you leave us a good review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, and help spread the word about the show. We don't pay to advertise, so the show spreads around solely by sharing it with your friends and family. That's all for this episode. All of us here at Public Domain Players hope that you're all staying safe and, if possible, staying home. See you next time, and thanks for listening.